Welcome to the PB&J podcast. This will not be televised. Whether you agree with us or not, we invite you to be curious, become empowered, conduct your own research, and gain personal confidence with the goal of improving your overall health and wellness. For health topics and questions, we encourage everyone to consult their physician to discuss the best care and treatments for their personal situation. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another podcast with PB and J. We're here to talk about stress, uh, stress on the eyes. Not everyone is aware of the effects of stress on your eyes, um, but it can cause some serious problems, uh, including uh, watery eyes, headaches, and blurry vision, as well as dry eyes. And so you wonder, you know, okay, it causes it could cause all these symptoms like you know so where is all this coming from you probably ask well let me just kind of give you some eye conditions that are caused by stress first to give you some understanding you know stress causes several eye problems including twitching a strain on the eyes or eye floaters and you probably know what eye floaters are if you happen to see these small dark specks within your vision they are eye floaters. They can come and go um, in your vision, and, and these floaters are definitely linked to stress, as well as eye strain. Uh, stress is a major cause of eye strain. Eye strains can vary from the stressing to that causes headaches, as well as blurry vision and watery eyes, and even um, itching inside the eye. If you ever have had an itch inside of the eye, it's a weird feeling, but I've had it before. Haven't had it in a long time, but I've had it before, and it, it's an itching sensation, not on on the eye, on top of the eye, but inside the eye. So you, sometimes you see people rubbing their eyes a lot, and, and it could be, you know, it could be that strain, that stress that's causing um, that eye to itch. Also, twitching. And I, I know most of us have had eye twitches, you know, where it may be just one eye. It's usually just one eye, not both eyes at the same time. But stress is one of the triggers that causes these spasms to occur. And that's where that eye twitching, uh, you know, that's where you see the eye twitching is this actually a spasm. You know, there's a lot of things, and, and we all know what things that we can do to reduce stress. but. I'm just going to kind of go over a few things before I get to that part about the stress and the vision loss. There's been recent studies that have been done that there is a direct correlation between stress and vision loss. And it could be anything from mental stress, which could cause vision loss, such as anxiety or depression or social isolation worry and even fear and social isolation i was thinking i said you know in COVID, there have been a lot of people that have been isolated uh in their homes uh even work you know working at home being at home all the time and just kind of isolating themselves and not being out or moving around and that kind of isolation can create stress for some people some people like and i'm going to say isolation social isolation is some people can do it you know effortlessly they can just go into their cave and stay there and be just as happy and content 
and have no effects as far as causing any stress in your body, mentally, emotionally. <clears throat> but then we're human beings and we're, we are built, I'm going to say that, we're biologically built and mentally built to actually have social inter interaction and to have connections uh, with people outside of ourselves. So a lot of people may have have felt that depression or that anxiety that comes from social uh, isolation. And, and that could be, you know, that could actually cause vision loss. Any prolonged mental stress um, will make vision loss even worse. So they like if you do have some, some sort of stigma, eye stigma, um, that you have a little bit of vision loss. If you have any prolonged mental stress, that vision loss can actually become worse over time because it becomes more prolonged. And, and what it is, is it's an imbalance. What happens is the imbalance in your sympathetic nervous system that causes an increase in, in cortisol that leads to visual systems such as like glaucoma. You know, people don't think about glaucoma with old age, but people, you can get glaucoma just by having a lot of stress on you and the increase in that cortisol can actually lead to glaucoma. Or uh, optic uh, neuropathy, which is actually like um, the deadening of certain muscles in your eyes that can cause vision loss. You know, it's dangerous uh, and it can go it can spiral down quickly if you don't do anything to, to help relieve it. Now, there are some effects uh, when there's stress on the vision that you could probably notice yourself and pick up on some of these clues. There's like these flashes of light that may appear in your eyesight, as well as double vision or narrow vision or what they call tunnel vision, where your, your focus lenses just kind of focus into to one little area and it's, you'll see like a tunnel, it looks like a tunnel. Um, the feeling of, of uh, these, what they call dreamlike uh, vision, which is almost like a visual distortions. The fogginess, uh, you can see stars. Have you ever seen stars, Jay? All the time, but I don't oh. think it's, re <laughs> I don't think it's related oh, to stress. <laughs> <laughs> or you know how sometimes you could be in a room and in your peripheral vision, it looks like a shadow yeah. that goes across the wall. You know, and people say, oh, you know, that's an angel or, you know, some good spirit or whatever. It could be, I'm not going to discount anybody's spiritual belief, and I'm not going to disqualify anything that somebody believes that if there's something spiritual or something ethereal that exists within their their vision and they're able to see these shadows going across the wall but also it could be a symptom of stress so um, hey hey pam so let me ask mm -hmm. you something in your research did it talk about stress as related to people who are sitting in front of their computer screens is yes, in terms yes. of and you know thank you for that because that was my next thing that yeah. to say you know the thing is that you know there's been a lot of talk let's say talk there's been a lot of talk about blue vision and the effects of blue light i'm sorry blue light uh, on, on the vision but here it is the current research does not currently 
pose a blue light doesn't currently pose a serious risk to your eyesight if you're young. Now, as you get older, how did they older. how did they define young? I just have to ask. <laughs> well, fifty or older, fifty or old, older. What happens is the blue light is actually is the the macular degeneration is actually associated with blue light. So it's like the longer we are exposed to blue light over time, the there is a there's this effect that that will cause macular degeneration. And you know, macular is that part of the eye where it actually helps us to see things. And so there was a study a study done by Oregon State University to show the damaging effects of blue light daily and long term exposure of blue light emanating from our phones and our computers and household appliances, and it becomes worse with age. So if you're young. Um, they haven't found anyone who's suffered, suffered from macular degeneration because of blue light. And, and it hasn't, I don't think it's been enough studies done to say, you know, at what point, um, you know, everybody says you shouldn't try to keep the kids away from blue light because of damage, but there's no research behind it. It would there's almost no evidence behind it. It would almost have to be a longitudinal study that lasted like decades for them decades. to and, and this just came about what the blue light thing, I don't know, within the past decade, Pam, you know, uh-huh. that I started hearing about it. Um, right. I don't I, it might have been they might have been talking about it earlier, but it seems like within the past decade, you know, they got the selling the glasses, you know, that filter out the blue light and the screen protectors for your computer and things like that. That's true. That is so true. Yeah, and the thing is, you're right. It is a longitudinal study, and that's the only way that they have been able to determine it because it is not, you know, for a five-year-old to be sitting in front of the screen for, you know, hours at a time. There's no evidence to show that it would cause any damage to that child. So, like I said, I mean, I always think that it's good to not, to have kids not spend so much time on a computer, you know, for mental reason, you know, for for mental stability. Yeah, for <laughs> lots know. of reasons, yeah. Get them outside yeah. in the fresh air and the sunshine. Right, exactly. Yeah. Play a game or read a book or, you know, get away or from Or do the, the dishes or vacuum the floor. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> he's like, he's like, <laughs> Usually give them some chores to do. Yeah, give them chores to do. That's right. We had, we were talking about this. We had chores to do. I learned Um, how to mow the grass at an early age. That's all I got to say. And that was, that was a push mower with. Wash, put clothes in the wash machine, wash dishes, take the trash out, the whole nine yards at a very early age. Yes. It's funny you should say that, but I have come (laughs) It's funny because it's true. Right. I have come across um, a culture, and I have come across a culture where as the men don't do as much in their house as the women do. And, and there's many cultures that, that do that. Isn't that our current culture? I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, haven't, it's I, not the, I don't know. You, I, I don't know, Pam. I think that's present-day United States, but that's just me. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and the thing is they don't know how to they, – they're, they're not accustomed to washing their clothes. They're not accustomed to, to putting dishes away in the dishwasher. 
And, and so I give it to those moms and parents, and I'm not just going to exclude dads on this one, who teach their, their kids how to do these simple chores. And I don't want to get too deep in it, but at the same time, for the women that, especially God, men, and I, I'm going to say women too, girls, females, and males, I think everybody should be self-sufficient. Absolutely. Know how to have certain skills, life skills that they need to take care of themselves and as well as take care of their environment. But not to harp on that too much. That, that's a, a separate podcast. <laughs> that's a whole, whole separate, whole separate podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, um, it is interesting. <laughs> Sorry, but, didn't mean to derail the it, conversation. <laughs> yeah, but when you see, when you see that happening, it, it just kind of like, it, it kind of throws you for a loop because you're like, Okay, he doesn't know how to, you know, I, I, you see the woman running around and she's doing all these things and she's taking trash out and he's sitting there, you know, looking at TV or doing something else, football game or going to something else. And it just, it, it drives me crazy because yeah. of the fact that it's like if you're in a partnership with someone and even if you have an agreement, you take every, care of everything on the outside of the house, and I'll take care of any, any, everything on the inside of the house. I just think that, that there should be, if you have that partnership, even if you have a partnership with your kids, make them do the chores, because it, it does help them to become very resourceful human adults um, that, that proves beneficial to their partner, whether, you know, whoever they have to live with. But it's that's just my opinion. Yeah. I can go I can get on that forever. But anyway, let's get back to stress. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a stressor for me, Jay. Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a stressor for me. If you can't help, then you know what? I'm going to say it's time for you to go. Yeah, well, if you, don't, if you don't know how to use a washer, get your YouTube video on and, and figure it out. I'm right, exactly. Saying. There are YouTube right. videos to teach uh, everybody how to do things now. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yep. There is not a thing on, on that you can't find out how to do on YouTube. Yep. YouTube. YouTube is a source of so much. Uh, now, not all of it's good and true or accurate so you have to, some have to, or accurate but you have yeah. to try them out some of them are, most of them are pretty good yeah you may have to watch like 10 of them to figure out which one is the <laughs> correct way right <laughs> right exactly and yeah that's funny watching them um so let's, let's look at some of the keys things that you can do to like you know the, the treating the symptoms of vision loss based on stress you know then one of the things that, that the research has showed is that if you feel like any of those triggers that we talked about the twitching the floaters the you know the the tunnel vision um or just even the mental part of it you know we should definitely take a heed to what is happening because our body is actually signaling us that something is wrong so if you're experiencing any active stress response that we've been talking about, take measures to kind of first calm yourself down and let your body recover. Because what happens, there is this surge of not only cortisol from stress, but like in the case of excitement, there is this surge of adrenaline that could cause pressure on the eye. 
and that can also cause uh, eye loss. And so within like 20 minutes or so, your body starts to recover, and so should your, your vision return to normal. So if you see a floater, if you start seeing a floater, just calm yourself down or you have a twitch, eye twitch. Just know, just calm yourself down long enough, and I say, they say research says 20 minutes, is to actually slow yourself down and then within a few minutes, it actually will go away because you're no longer in a that flight or, or fight or flight response that's going on in your body that's causing it. And, and there are other, you know, of course, you're going to go to, I always, we always advise that if it becomes serious, that it becomes constant and it happens on a daily basis, then you definitely need to seek a health professional because um, it may not be related to stress. But at least you have a gauge of figuring out if it is or if it isn't. If, if after you calm yourself down and you're noticing no difference in what's happening to you, then seek a, a professional. Some other things and techniques that you can do to kind of reduce stress um, is some relaxation techniques that we've talked about this in other uh, podcasts is meditation or yoga. Um, and actually doing some stress management techniques that you can find on the internet. So there's things you can do to calm yourself down if you are starting to see twitches, eye twitches, or, um, or any kind of changes in your, eye, uh, in your eyesight. And it's best to first figure out if it is related to stress. So, you know, one of the things that they also talk about is that you need more sleep you know we all need more sleep we also need exercise exercise helps tremendously um, to reduce the amount of stress um, so we know what we can do and the thing is to take heed when, when something does come up and just figure out okay is this stress or is this something else that's happening and then of course we have to go to the standalone, which is, Jay, I'm going to turn this one over to you because I know you're prepared to talk about it, is the uh, healthy diet. Right. And um, what's interesting, Pam, uh, about everything that we've talked so far uh, on the podcast, you know, for the other ones that we've done, there's such a connect the dots situation with um, stress and how it affects different parts of the body. And, you know, there's good, just like you said, I can't remember which podcast it was, but there was good stress and bad stress. And the bad stress is, you know, what really impacts, you know, those things in your body that you really need to take care of. And as you age, as, as we've also discussed, you know, those things become more important. You're not thinking about those things when you're in your 20s and 30s and even in your 40s. But once you hit that 50 mark, you're like, yeah, I think I need to start looking at these things a little closer, right? Right. Right. So, um, with that in mind, I'm, I'm going to talk about the American Academy of Ophthalmology. Um, they listed some common signs of aging eyes, and some of these things Pam has already uh, talked about, and I'm going to just go through this list real quick. Um, the first one is trouble reading fine print, which is farsightedness and being able to see far but not near, um, and that is more common after the age of 40. Um, difficulty seeing at night. 
Uh, I know my mom hated dry, driving at night because of the bright lights, and she didn't see very well at night. And I have to, I have to admit, I don't see as well at night as I used to. Um, dry eyes. All right. Yeah. Especially if you're in a new area, not familiar. Not with the familiar. Area. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, dry eyes. Pam mentioned dry eyes a little bit uh, relative to stress. Um, dry eyes, especially common among women who have gone through menopause. Um, objects blending into backgrounds, uh, so more difficulty in distinguishing objects from backgrounds of a similar color, like milk in a white cup. Mm -hmm. um, that is called the loss of contrast sensitivity. Um, spots or floaters, which is what uh, Pam talked about, and uh, they describe that as the vitreous or the jelly-like substance filling in the middle of your eye. It thickens or it shrinks as we age. And when this happens, tiny clumps of gel can form and cause floaters in our vision. Um, similarly, um, flashes of light. Um, Pam talked about, you know, the, the floaters and the flashes and the, and the weird, you know, seeing stars and all that stuff. These flashes occur when the vitreous rubs or pulls on the retina. Um, glare sensitivity, aging adults with certain eye conditions can become increasingly sensitive to glare. And I would think that ties in with uh, night driving, you know, when you've got the, the headlights coming at you, yeah. right? Um, and cataracts. So here's an interesting thing. I, my, both my parents had cataracts, and uh, I know people in my age group and, and older who also have had cataracts. And so half of Americans over the age of 75 develop cataracts. And a cataract, in case you're wondering what it is, it's when the lens inside of our eye becomes cloudy, making it difficult to see. And my understanding is that when you get cataracts, you get a procedure where they uh, remove your lens and put a new one in. So it's no longer cloudy. Um, I'm hoping that there is a cure for that before I have to get that done because the thought of getting any kind of cutting on my eye to replace a lens does not appeal to me. I'm just saying. Me either. Yeah. So in your research, did, did they say that um, is there anything that we can do as humans to kind of curtail the, the onset of cataracts or? Right, so here's, here's some interesting things. So I looked up uh, some things of preventive steps to prevent kinds of things, right? And so for cataracts, let's see here. Um, what did I find? There's macular degeneration. I did find something about cataracts. Sorry, uh, listeners, I'm looking through my um, my information here that I found. Um, eating right. Okay. What I read is you can't do anything about your age or family history, but you can change your diet, right? And we've talked about that before. If you can eat right and exercise and all that jazz. Um, some research shows that eating foods high in antioxidants like vitamin C and E may help prevent cataracts. If you already have cataracts, it may slow their growth. So they listed some good sources of vitamin C, and that includes citrus fruit, like oranges and grapefruits and limes, okay. tomatoes and tomato juice, red and green peppers, kiwi fruit, broccoli, strawberries, Brussels sprouts, cantaloupe, and potatoes, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Um, for vitamin E, 
Uh, they said look to vegetable oils like sunflower, safflower, or wheat germs. Wheat germ, excuse me. Nuts, especially almonds, are also good sources of vitamin E, and so are peanuts. So are green veggies like spinach and broccoli. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's, okay. there's some uh, interesting facts about, you know, eating foods. And uh, they talked about lutein and zeaxanthin. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Zeaxanthin. I think that's okay. how it's pronounced. <laughs> they said that those are two more vitamins that could help protect your eyes from cataracts. Eggs okay. have those two things, and so do green leafy vegetables. Okay. Right? Green. Yeah. And so when we're talking about lutein and zeaxanthin, and I apologize, listeners, if I am not pronouncing that correctly, but I'm just I'm, I'm saying it phonetically. Those, those ingredients are also in this concoction, this supplement called A-Reds. And I know that people have seen this on TV, A-Reds. Uh, Bosch & Loam has a uh, yes. supplement called A-Reds that you see commercials on it all the time. And, right. su and supposedly, um, those two ingredients specifically, plus some omegas, uh, supposedly um, help, I can't say prevent, but the, mm -hmm. if you have macular degeneration, it's supposed to slow the progress down. So. Okay. Um, and so the NIH National Eye Institute, they've been studying AREDS forever. Um, in fact, they have been doing trials for more than 10 years. And they say that the AREDS and the AREDS 2 supplements may delay progression of intermediate to advanced macular degeneration and may help you keep your vision longer. Wow. So uh, it's kind of interesting and I even asked uh, last time I got my eyes checked I went and asked my um, optometrist what he thought about that and he said can't hurt might help <laughs> so okay. you know he didn't poo-poo it so to right. me it, you know if he didn't say oh yeah that's a bunch of you know malarkey you know they're just mm -hmm. trying to make a buck uh, but I have seen a lot of um, information, a lot of research that talks about, you know, the lutein and the zeaxanthin um, right. being very important as a uh, supplement to keep your macula um, healthy in your eye. Okay. And as we all get older, that's a really big deal. Uh, my father had both wet and dry macular degeneration, and um. he ended up having to get, and don't, this is going to make you cringe, he had to get injections yeah. into his eyes. Oh, wow. Uh, in order to have any kind of sight at all, because the, when you start uh, damaging your macula, it, it starts making everything on a peripheral basis really fuzzy or in the middle fuzzy. So, right. I mean, your, your eyesight just, you know, goes, goes down the drain. So um, there is no cure. There is no, mm -hmm. it's like for cataracts, you can go get your lens replaced, right? Right. There's no cure for macular degeneration as we speak, as we're talking today mm -hmm. on August 20th. So, something to think about. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And here, and you and I talked about this. <laughs> I read a study. This was the University of California, Davis, January 13th, 2022. Dried goji berries may provide protection against age-related vision loss. The reason now this is a small sample. The researchers okay. found that 13 healthy participants aged 45 to 65 
who consumed 28 grams, about one ounce, one ounce or a handful, of goji berries five times a week for 90 days, increased the density of protective pigments in their eyes. In contrast, 14 participants who consumed a commercial supplement for eye health over the same period did not show an increase. And so in these goji berries, there's those two substances, the lutein and zeaxanthin, uh -huh. um, and it says that those two, those two substances filter out harmful blue light and provides antioxidant protection. So I, you know, it's a very small sample size, right? I mean, thirteen. Yeah, but here, and even though it's a sample size, it's yeah. still it's it's backed by research, right? Well, yeah, but yeah, I think they'd have to do some more research for me to. I, I have, but I, I to, confess. To hang your hat on it. Well, yeah, and, and to I. Hang your hat on. I think I told you I went out and bought goji berries. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I'm here to tell you, listeners. Goji berries do not taste very good, <laughs> at least not to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you definitely so, have to acquire a taste for it or put it in something. I'd have to put it in an alcoholic drink probably for <laughs> me to <laughs> take it because they were, and to think about, I mean, I only ate one or two, and to think about having to eat a handful of that five mm. times a week, that's mm. just not going to happen. Oh, Maybe if they were pulverized and put into a smoothie, like you had mentioned earlier, yeah. I might be able to to do that. But holy mackerel! Yeah, because I've heard people put it in their cereal, oh. uh, it in there. Yeah. Oh, ye, put no. it in smoothies just to get it down. Oh, it's the the taste is just not appealing to me. And they're not cheap. No, I had to order online, and they were, you're absolutely right, they were not cheap, and it was like, um, I don't know, one ounce bag for, you know, more than $10. It was, and so right. they they sit on my counter. But that's a weak supply. I know. <laughs> and they sit on my counter, and I'm just sitting here, I wonder what I could do with these goji berries, that I would actually eat them. Maybe, look, as much gardening as you do, maybe plant them. Oh, <laughs> See I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I think I'm going to have to pulverize them and put them in some kind of milkshake or something. I don't know. But here's something. I have to tell you about this one. This was, I, I found this out when um, Dad had his macular degeneration. I was online searching, you know, to see what was out there because he was, he complained about floaters. He complained about, you know, the macular yeah. degeneration. He was getting uh, injections in his eyes, et cetera, et cetera. And I found a study about saffron. So saffron, we know, is like a, it's used in Indian dishes and, and some other Asian dishes, right? It's like right. a spice. Right. And so a 2017 study um, done by the Department of Ophthalmology, and this is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It was a um, school of medicine in uh, Tehran, Iran. Uh -huh. And which I'm sure they use a lot of saffron, you know, right. in, in that part of the yeah. world, right. And researchers split participants into two groups, a control group and a treatment group. The treatment group took 50 milligrams of saffron daily for three months. And researchers found a significant improvement in visual acuity and contrast sensitivity in the treatment group and no improvement in the control group. Hmm. Um, this led the researchers to conclude that short-term intake of saffron may slow the progression of dry macular degeneration and help improve okay. vision. 
And so um, oxidative stress can contribute to many diseases, it said, including macular degeneration, which you already discussed earlier uh, when you were talking. Uh-huh. And the antioxidant activity of saffron may be effective in improving symptoms of macular degeneration and slowing down disease progression. So if you don't like goji berries like I don't, <laughs> saffron <laughs> may be the peanut. Uh, maybe, maybe the fix. Yes, yes. yes. So um, something to think about. And as we uh, go into, we were talking about um, eye disease and, and losing, oh. losing eyesight. And I found this, this was uh, done by the Mount Sinai Hospital, Mount Sinai School of Medicine in July of this year. And it talked about patients with a specific form of age-related macular degeneration, which causes blindness, are at significant risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke. And again, you know, as I was saying, you know, connecting to the, the dots to what we had discussed before with the heart um, uh-huh. and, and with every other major part of the body, um, it's such a big deal when, when other, other parts of your machine in your body, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of uh-huh. like your carburetor's broken, so that means your transmission's not gonna be as good. It's like yeah. everything needs to work well. You need to take care of everything. It's not like, well, I'm just going to take care of my heart and hopefully everything will follow suit. Um, Just like the, uh, when we were talking about the liver uh, with our first podcast, you got to take care of everything. It can't just be one thing. It's got to be everything. And that includes your diet, includes activity, includes, you know, resting, uh, whether it be meditation or yoga or listening to, you know, soothing music. It's got to be uh, getting enough sleep. All those things that we take for granted, I think, when we are younger, that when we start getting older, we, you know, as our body is aging, right? It's like, become yeah. Become more important, right? right? Become more important because it's like having, um, it's like having a, um, I'll use a, a, an old muscle car as an example. You've had it since the 1970s, right? It, right. you know, had, everything was brand new, and as you keep your muscle car and you keep your, your car in your garage, you have to tune it up, right? You can't just, yeah. it's not going to stay running, you know, in tip-top shape unless you take care of it. And it's not just the engine, it's the tires, it's the everything. transmission, it's the carburetor, it's <laughs> changing the filters, it's a, yeah. it, the windshield. Well, it's even. everything. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, right. washing it and putting wax on it. I mean... So everyone needs to look at their bodies as one machine with so many working parts that they need to take care of. Um, And just as you mentioned earlier in in the podcast today, um, getting enough sleep, exercising, um, making sure you rest. You know, if you're stressed out, you know, take a breath, you know, listen to soothing music or take a nap or whatever it is that makes you go to your happy place so that you can wind down. So um, that's about all I have, Pam, for today. No, that was a lot. We we covered a lot. And, 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 you know, we went from everything to, from eye disease to, to some of the things we can do to help our, help our eyesight as as well, even as we get older. Um, So, it was a good coverage. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us. Um, like I said, if you have any questions or you want to reach out to us, 
please do so. Uh, we would like, love to hear from you. Anything that you want us to cover with the research, because that's all we do. We, we don't go on assumptions. We try to do as much research as we can on your behalf so that your life becomes better. And it gives us peace of mind that we're actually doing, trying to do something that will benefit us all. And don't forget to follow us. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> follow us, follow us, because every week it's something new. And we have podcasts on there. Go back and listen to some of our, our old podcasts. We try to hit every organ, every human uh, element of, of being human here on this rotating rock to help us uh, have healthy, more sustaining, more, more vital health, uh, no matter what your age is. That's right. So for today, we're going to say goodbye, listeners. Thank you for joining us. We love you. We send love to you and hoping you health and happiness. Talk to you next time. Y'all take care. <laughs>